0: Hello, my friends. Today, Joel is talking to Hilda, the CTO of Canon Design, right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Okay, so I'm really excited because I'm a fan of Canon. We had from Canon imaging, uh, Dennis, it was, um, SVP over there. And so the Canon family, are the brands somehow connected?
1: The Canon is no, no, we're not. It's a very different, uh, entity. Canon design is architecture, engineering, and construction, and it's not related to the, uh, photographic, you know, type of, uh, en- uh entity that we're all used to too, as well.
0: Do you know, they have, we like, are not. They have lots of lines of business. Do you know this?
1: Yes. And actually, i have uh, it's funny, because at the very beginning, when I first uh, joined, a lot of people like, oh, can you give me a discount on a camera? Can you give me a, discount <gasps> on a, a printer? I'm like, no, a different Canon kind of design. <laughs> but thankfully, thankfully, uh, we've done a lot so that in our space technology related, most people now know what Canon design is separate from
0: regular Canon. So you're primarily architects, engineers, you build things.
1: Yes, primarily. We are working in the, uh, in the architecture, engineering, and construction space. And so, yes, we build, uh, we assess, we try to affect, through design, what we do for society, trying to solve problems and doing it in an elegant way.
0: What type of problems are you solving?
1: Well, I think if you think about uh, our primary sector being healthcare, and how do we affect the design of hospitals, uh, MOVs? We recently did a merger with a group that is focused on pediatrics, which is huge. It's another area that, that we wanted to grow. So I, if I use us as, as an example, it's really, you know, affecting the experience of us as human beings. And how do we experience space? How do we navigate through it? How do we feel about it? What what do we recall? How do we um, engage technology in it to make it more you know, either more comfortable, more advanced, whatever. You take your pick. It's it's one example. We also do education. We do commercial. There's so many aspects. There's so many areas. It's really kind of exciting because ultimately we're serving a population, society. So it's not just the building. It's what it does for us, I think.
0: That's so about eight, nine days ago, I had yeah. uh, my first son, second child, first son. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. And he's actually in the NICU right? Because okay. you've the hospitals and the infants and the pediatrics and all that. Uh, nothing yes. serious just because he was early. And so okay. he's just working on a little bit. He needed a couple more weeks in the oven, you know? I <laughs> so, <see. laughs> but, but So you guys build hospitals, build buildings like that?
1: Yes, we do. We do. And uh, we're always looking, we're looking, uh, we were just um, having a discussion with the health market about taking more and more into account the the customer, experience because we you often have a client right somebody that hires you to do this type of work whether it's a renovation or a new hospital but we really really make a a, a incredible uh, effort in trying to focus on the patient like your kid right your son Mm -hmm. and you guys also what is the experience for you and your wife uh, in terms of you know how do you feel while you're in that space what makes you feel comfortable what what are some of the necessities you may have we decide that to make it as ideal as we can
0: that's really interesting to me because growing up and in my professional career being in this big internet boom right mm-hmm. we focus I, I often say to people you know your website's like your building it's like you're the you know the building yeah. for your business it's what people go into and they experience and if you have a dirty building yeah. or a gross building or a broken building that gives a feel if you have a well-designed beautiful building that gives a feel but we're always so in, in my side of the world, we're so obsessed with the metrics, the A-B split testing. How do we make that experience so great for them online? But yep. I never thought about it. Your company's like doing that for a physical building, like looking at the physical building like the product.
1: Correct, correct. And oftentimes, you may also even want to brand it in a certain way that when people see this building, they know it's Joel's. They know it's
0: yours. It's yeah. those, They know
1: because there are certain aspects or things about it or features that, that
0: allow people to identify It's a it. giant J.
1: It's a (laughs) J. Lots of elevator (laughs) (laughs) That will be the L. We'll figure something out there,
0: right? The L at the end, yeah. Or we could go the Apple style and like make it a J from space, like when you're looking down. Ah, there you go. There's all kinds. Yeah, yeah. Or you can make
1: it explode it, or you can make. However, there's plenty of ideas.
0: (laughs) I'm working on it with Canon Design. We'll we'll figure it out. We got the best and the brightest on our team. (laughs)
1: Like we can can we get that in writing? Yes. (laughs)
0: <laughs> here we go no but i will um because you like the pediatrics and the health and everything i will i'm going to send you some of these uh books this is a children's oh. book okay it's called the nice. princess physicist okay and it's about a little princess who gets stuck in a tower but instead of a guy okay. coming to save her she finds a book on physics under her bed and uses physics excellent
1: perfect love it more than one way yeah. more than one way
0: so that's that's my uh that's my family's charity and so we pr- them up and we give them away to like homeless pregnant women shelters things like that
1: oh that's wonderful really really it's uh it's i mean it's obviously the story it's um it's another passion of mine to to also try to advance us women in technology and in architecture and it's not about you know waiting to be saved but we can carve our own path and do quite well at it
0: yeah i liked the book i i wrote it and we had it produced and we made a charity around it and it worked awesome pretty well as a way to give back. So yeah. So tell me a little bit about like your you're you're a nerd. You like technology, right? Yes. Yeah. What what was your (laughs) 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 What's your earliest memory of technology? Is it like Commodore sixty four, an arcade game? What is it?
1: Oh my God, if we're going to age ourselves here, yeah, it would have to be something like Nintendo and fighting my brother for using yeah. it because he was his <laughs> back in the day. I was having this conversation with a colleague here because he just recently got interviewed by Autodesk and it was a, something about, you know, with virtual reality now, Ernesto can read minds and he made reference to those days and we then had a separate exchange like, do you remember playing Pac-Man or, well, oh, my first game was ET or whatnot. So it goes back to those days. Yeah. Oh, way way back then
0: blowing in the cartridge yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly trying to get the game to work yeah and, and you know you you hit it so you know whatever you gotta easy. hit it that's where violence, violence <laughs> and machines used to work like you could yeah. actually hit the machine and it performed better uh-huh yes, it doesn't work like yes, sure. macbooks though <laughs> it's it's a little
1: different now yeah Nah, we'll do the opposite. But sure, those are very early days, and this is uh back in the Dominican Republic, by the way, where I'm where I'm uh, originally from. So that, yep. Yeah. Tell me about your journey getting here <laughs> to the to the states. So it's interesting. I've uh, I say I was born in the Dominican Republic. I stayed there until I wrapped up high school. Interestingly enough, um, over there there's no regulations as to when do you go to what uh, grade. So at age 16, I wrapped up, and I had this dream that I wanted to study architecture in a Mecca of architecture, the Chicago is. And so luckily my grandmother lived here and it was the days before 9-11. So it was quite easy to uh, apply. And within three months, we got a, uh, our green card the family. Uh, But not everyone in the family got it. It was sort of a a split. And so having been the one that had just wrapped up high school, my brother was still in uh, medical school. He seemed like, hey, you're the perfect one to kind of, you know, get going and do what you've dreamt of doing. And so I venture out to Chicago on my own, left my parents and everybody over there, uh, and uh, came and joined my grandmother and my aunt here uh, and started to study architecture. So that was kind of the beginning of it all. It was a very different time, and it was uh, challenging, to say the least, because I didn't even speak English then. And so, um, yeah, it's been a long way since.
0: That's amazing. We have one of our uh, videographers, full-time videographers. Uh, his name yeah. is Alex, and about two years ago, he uh, was living in Russia, didn't speak a word of English, and then he won the green card lottery. Like, oh, wow. It's like one yeah. in 10 million people. And then, uh, so he came over here, wor- worked 10. in a in a wood factory, chopping wood, because there were some Russians there that could teach him English.
1: Uh, and
0: he couldn't wow. get a job without, you know, he was a videographer for many years over there, but he couldn't communicate mm-hmm. you, if you can't communicate. Right. You can't go to a job. At, so you have to learn English. And so he had to go somewhere where there were people he could make some money and learn English. Um, and so yeah. he chopped wood for a couple months, learned some English. And then uh, I found his portfolio online and relocated him from North Carolina down to Florida. And he's been amazing.
1: And he gets to the what he also loves. Great, great.
0: Yeah. Um, I, um, it's interesting you say
1: that because my very first job was as, a, as an intern in a hospital. Go figure. Really? That's full circle. I mean, when I worked as an architect, I worked in healthcare. I just gave you an example of healthcare. And so I guess there's a, an interesting pattern of as sort of the, the user, the person that occupies the space, and then now having the ability at some point in my life to design that and continue to affect that from where I'm at right now. So yeah, full circle.
0: How many people are you the CTO for?
1: Well, it's interesting. We have a super lean team here in terms of uh, the the idea of wanting to really democratize knowledge and make it super accessible. So my team right now is about I'd say about eight people here, but then we also have a um, another group that's focused on the infrastructure, group, and that's about twenty other people. And so. I don't necessarily see that I oversee that group because I have a partner uh, that is uh, primarily leading all the infrastructure effort, and he oversees that 20 folks group, and I oversee the other. One, that is primarily, if I may just kind of uh, start talking about that, it's yeah. very, very focused on technology for the practice. So it's very unique in the way that um, the DNA of this group, it's primarily folks that have a similar background like mine of uh, having been in a design profession, whether it's architecture or engineering, and then having made the leap into embracing technology and now driving it forward.
0: That's amazing. So you lead that group. Yes, Wow, that's fantastic! And what project, like, are you really excited about right now? Like, what are you doing that's getting you up out of bed in the morning?
1: Oh, it's it's. There's a lot. There's a lot going on. I think. Um, well, it's interesting. Uh, early, early on, when I joined, because I've been at Canon Design for almost two years. Um, it was very much in my mind to try to Um, demystify this, hey, are you the Canon that can give me a discount on a camera? (laughs) I wanted people (laughs) to know who we really are, and and we've been around for 100 years, and it's not that we're not well known, it's just in the technology space I wanted to amplify that, and so uh, in the first year I focused quite a bit in getting out there externally, not only getting to know the business but also speaking as to who we are and doing different publications and whatnot Now I'm focusing that internally a whole whole lot more, and so when you say what gets me out of bed um, Uh, Usually it's some exciting opportunity with a colleague here because we're either trying to go after a job pursuit, which we can try and win together, or just strategize about the sector that they oversee. As I mentioned, we do healthcare, but we do education, we do corporate. So all of the above workplace strategy are folks that I meet with and I start to tell them, hey, this is what my group does and can do. What are your pain points? What are your needs? What are your aspirations? And then we try to marry the two. So for me, it's super exciting to try to strategize and customize something that will give us uh, a competitive advantage uh, in a very unique way that would only happen at Canon Design with the technology as it moves forward. So that's like the everyday thing. But I tell you, I'm also very, very excited about the potential of doing something that we call design synthesis, which is digitizing our knowledge, that 100-year experience that I said we have, it's oftentimes in people's heads or it's in some sort of uh, documentation, digital or analog. But taking all of that, capturing it, filtering what's relevant, trying to then do a little more of analytics around it and start to then do machine learning, AI, it's really kind of the key to all this. Artificial intelligence. How would artificial intelligence affect the architecture, engineering, construction uh, profession, which we call AEC? as an acronym um i think there's a lot there in terms of you know it's a controversial topic is it going to take jobs away or is it going to make it better well i think that if we start early and we get, grab a hold of what that's going to be and help design that then it can be what we want it to be and not
0: what people fear Ooh, so, it's like a lot a, i told a a you was a lot moment right there it can be <laughs> what we wanted. if we if we assume the position of creator it can be what we want to be and not what people fear yeah yes i love I that I'm on. I'm on your. Absolutely, I like that plan. That's a good strategy. That's like that's very Elon Musk strategy with his Open AI, right? Yeah. uh, Yes. Putting all the money to that, he's like, let's just build it open, and and be that force in the market. That way, at least we have a good AI to battle the corporate AIs.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think it's it's interesting because um, what makes again as designers as people to solve problems and hopefully in an elegant fashion um, every firm has its culture and its identity. And it's, I don't want to use the word style, but just for, style. for kicks, I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's, its uh, and so I think that uniqueness is the piece that we need to capture. How unique, what is it that makes Canon design, Canon design. And if we can capture that DNA, digitize it and get rid of the things that are repetitive and that we don't really want to work on and have it help us make better designs. Because think about it, if we, uh, as a human being, I can only come up with so many designs you know, well, a day just merely because of time, not for lack of the imagination. But if I start to feed this type of information to a computer that's a lot quicker than I at doing design iterations, and if I inform it further by saying, well, this is the impact that it's going to have on a community based on, I don't know, demographics, or maybe because of the um, weather or the sun conditions or all of the things that affect the physical building, All of those things can at one time inform my design and give me a much better, higher quality building, for lack of a better term, because it could be a campus, it could be other things that I could do on my own with limited time and, and, you know, capacity.
0: Well, it seems possible because I see the AI that draws faces, but they like, they're indistinguishable from like, it's like, which one of these was created by AI? And it's like, trick, they all were. And I'm like, those look like a (laughs) bunch of people
1: that are yeah real that we think we've met at some point. Sure. Yeah. Yes. There's that possibility. There's that possibility to not only generate design, but to inject that DNA that's ours and make it, Oh, that looks like a Canon design building.
0: Right. Well, your buildings are beautiful by the way. Oh, thank your, you. Thank I, you. I had pulled them up and we're looking at them they're just like, they're really cool looking buildings and they're huge.
1: So, some of them are huge. Some of them are small. But yeah, no, thanks. I uh, appreciate it. I think we we were on the gamut. Some of them may be super functional. Some of them may be, you know, very unique. And and, and ho- hopefully in every single one of them, there's an elegant uh, solution.
0: So if I want to build my Joel building. Yes, your what, J. My J. <laughs> <laughs> I want to build the J, right? How yeah. What's the timeline? Like, how long of a process is that?
1: Oh it varies um it varies i mean it's um often the traditional way is that we have faces and so we the very first phase is to go conceptually is to sort of figure out things like what is it that Joel would like and what is it yeah. that he hates and what is it that he thinks he needs, but maybe that's not what he needs because we get to play psychiatrists at times, right? It's like, well, it sounds like, you know, you and your partners and, you know, this may be a, and have you looked, whatever. So this is more of the conceptual piece. Then we go to get into the uh, uh, schematic design when we actually start mm-hmm. to draw things up and start to propose things. Mm-hmm. Then it becomes, uh, 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 let's see, design development then construction documents, and then you get into construction administration where you're actually building something. Nice. So that could be months. It could be years. There's a project that we're going after right now. It's an entire campus. We're looking at a decade of engagement. So wow. it could be that. That's the other extreme. Um, but day. also, <laughs> you know, <laughs> big yeah, <day>. yeah <laughs> it depends how big this day is going to be and how many years. Yeah. But we're also trying to do something super interesting here that I think a lot of our competitors are not necessarily focused on, we have the uh, uniqueness of having a construction arm to our group. And so we are looking at shortening that time and not only shortening that, but also saving money by the efficiencies of maybe doing some modular type of design so that if we can bring in things that are prefabricated, uh, to site in, you know, in order to erect this building, it's gonna be a lot quicker, better quality, cheaper, so on and so forth. So we're looking to also kind of disrupt how those uh, services happen today, because there's a huge waste in the construction, and I you said, architecture, engineering, and construction industry uh, that we're trying to get in the middle of and, and, and uh, help those processes. So another way to innovate that we're looking into where technology is gonna be a big piece.
0: Let's talk a little bit about you as a leader. I saw the Weld on there. You're part of Weld?
1: Oh yes, yes, yes. So Weld is uh Women for Economic Leadership and Development and yeah, yeah. I've uh so interestingly enough and it's um maybe about I say 3 years ago or so I really felt like I needed to pay it forward and really it's just different experiences that I had in my personal life and seeing how we needed to still advance women in the profession and do what we can, uh, not only in the architecture or technology perspective, but all around. And so um, a colleague of mine in a previous live uh, mentioned that she was part of this organization nonprofit. And it's primarily to do that is to advance the women, as I said, uh, from an economic perspective and development. Uh, And so I uh, joined them as one of the uh, board uh, members at large. And even though this, I was living in Dallas at the time, and this is primarily out of Columbus when I joined, you know, I made it a point to volunteer my time and and meet with them every so often and fly out there. And we did great things. Uh, We're still doing great things. And now it's at a national level and it's looking to go international. So that's uh, exciting. That's a side thing, but (laughs) I love it. I absolutely do. And, you know, by virtue of doing that, it inspired me to also. Uh, push forward that topic here at my firm. And so I've uh, been for the last, yeah, I guess two years, the chair of our diversity and inclusion uh, group as well. So
0: Nice. How many people are at the company as a whole?
1: And together, we're about 1,200, I think, at the moment, give or take, because we've been maybe a little less. We've, uh, In the last year, in 2018, we did uh, three mergers. And so we keep growing location-wise oh, wow. and staff-wise. Yeah nice fluctuates but it's pretty much always around a grand a thousand a thousand people
0: now do you get involved with those as as the cto
1: absolutely absolutely and i think it's interesting because um i think the more that we get engaged in it the more that the rest of the executive team realizes the value of having us at the table early on there's so much to be said about analyzing uh not only what's technology that's there, but how are we going to integrate that with our world and theirs and not come in as, you know, big. I don't want to say brother, so big sibling that is going to come in and kind of crush the, uh, you know, the other person that you bought. We make sure we don't lose their value. They were attracted to us in the in the first place because they brought value. So it's very interesting to look at what are your systems, what are you using, and not only that, what are your processes uh, that affect how we produce our work. And so. We look at that very, very early on and see where are the matches and what are some of the things that we need to adapt to in order to integrate as closely as we can. So very, very early on, there's a core team um, that starts the conversation as soon as we have a memorandum of of understanding and and I get engaged. And then the process doesn't end, right? We continue throughout as we uh, become partners then uh, to just continue to integrate.
0: I've never heard that word before or that phrase. Can you tell me a little bit about what a memorandum of understanding is?
1: Oh, it's primarily um, just legal information. In terms of now, it's okay to have the conversations between the company that we're trying to merge with and us, and it's a limited amount of uh, of uh, interaction with some uh, group of people. But uh, we really can't uh, legally have types of conversations without that document in place. We also cannot make any kind of recommendations in terms of how do they change their technology, or um, you know, may buy or abandon a piece of software, for example, until all of that uh, legal work is in place. So it's really just...
0: Uh, so let's talk a little bit about that, only because I actually, I'm very connected with the audience, and I got a message last night, a couple questions people wanted me to ask uh, my up- upcoming guest, and one of them was to shed some light on the M&A process. And so you happened to mention this word I didn't know about... It's part of the MA process. So, could you walk me through just the high level bullet points of an MA process? You reach out to someone, you start a conversation, you do the memorandum of understanding, and you move forward. Like, what could you just walk me through the milestones?
1: Okay. Well, I'm not the most, I'll do a disclaimer, right? I have not not given any kind of legal advice or not. It's not my, my expertise. But certainly, uh, <laughs> primarily, the conversations are happening usually at the level of the CEO, CFO, and a few others in terms of. Uh, the interest in doing a merger. And that conversation, it's usually one that our CEO shares with his core team and the leaders of the enterprise like myself so that we know that this is in the pipeline and they continue to keep us engaged to the point that when we have the memorandum of understanding then we can move forward and myself as a cto can speak to the cto director of it whatever that person may be in the other firm and then we start having discussions around hey can you give me a Information on licensing and what does your infrastructure look like, so on and so forth. We can pay each other visits. We can see how we operate, and then ultimately, though, until the the deal is signed, and I don't know what the next uh, uh, level in terms of what the name of that document is, is when we can actually. But I all I know is that our our attorney here says, okay, he'll let go. You can, and, and, and so that's a, a moment where we say, hey, do not renew this or do not purchase that because we we've got you covered. The or, attorney, you know, go we, doc.
0: We'll
1: yes, yeah, that's that. That's you know we have a very talented attorneys in house, uh, and we have the luxury of being able to rely on them whenever uh, we need to make a move. Hey, is it okay? And so they'll 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 let me know.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah, but I think I think it's really important that, you know, to your point that the technology crew is engaged early on, because I can tell you in a previous life, I'm not going to mention names, when we were doing something similar, we discovered um, it was, a, oh, maybe like, a, I think, eight or $10 million type of engagement to buy this firm internationally. And um, there, because it was back in the day, and it was international, and laws are different, or the way in which people ignore them or adhere to them, I found out that one of the largest pieces of software that they had, which we use in the design environment uh, uh, by uh, Autodesk, was not uh, properly licensed. And so I ended up discovering that and figuring out that to bring them up to Snuffy was going to be a $2 million investment. So suddenly this $10 million with this $2 million that you have to subtract made a huge difference on the go no go process and we ultimately did move forward but we had to make sure that our i's and t's eyes were dotted and t's were crossed before we got into that so yes
0: that's Ooh, cto just saved the due diligence come on now everybody go hang clap for hilda <laughs> i love it all
1: right but yeah no it's it is and it, it happens it happens a lot
0: that's you doing your job my friend congratulations all right thank you Oh, I'm excited. So leadership wise, right? Yeah. You're a leader, you're leading these m and As. You're leading your team of, of technologists yeah. within the organization. But you weren't always a leader. And you started out working as I think you said in a hospital, but I wasn't sure if it was an. What was your position in a hospital?
1: Well, no, I was um, I was an architect that okay. then moved on to do help desk and sort of I you know did the whole thing before I got to CTO. But yes, I um, yeah, so, so you were at the
0: hospital. You were yes. an architectural intern at the hospital.
1: Oh, no, no. Sorry. When I was uh, at the hospital, I was just a registration clerk trying to pick up the language, uh, like your colleague from Russia, just okay, <laughs> at cool. the front desk. Imagine that. Uh, yes. Okay. Now.
0: Cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes, yes. So as you begin, uh, as you move from there and in, into your industry where you fit, right, where you, where you yeah. have your passion and then you start to, to take the reins and run your first team, that's never yes. an easy transition for people. You always, walk away with some good stories and some learnings so yeah we've got some people in the audience that are listening they're going to make their transition from individual contributor to a team lead what sort of advice yeah. do you have for them
1: well um I want to say, well, I'll tell you from my personal experience, I was moving from being an architect, like regularly doing drawings and designs and whatnot, and having a passion and having seen the potential for what technology could do for the practice, and wanting a chance to sort of get in, get my feet wet, and try to do this all of the time, as opposed to when my colleagues, you know, tap on my shoulder, hey, Hilda, can you help me? And so I went to my principal at the time, the person in charge, and I said, hey, I want to give this a whirl. Um can you let me do this? And if I don't like it, I can go back to my old job. And he said, sure. And that's really all the uh, backing that I needed to go give it a shot. Um, I'll tell you, as I was, uh, I started really doing the help desk piece and, uh, you know, moving on to then be what's called a cat manager, a bin manager, a director. And I think a director is the level that we want to talk about uh, making that transition. But I'll tell you that one of the things that, and this is relevant to the comment you made about the book that you have in back of you, is that, I don't know. I think it's this thing about being a woman, being an immigrant in this level of insecurity uh, in wanting to prove that I was fit for the job. So not only did I did the job and learn and was executing as probably as well as my my colleagues, but I felt like I needed that at the time, right? I've needed that backing. And so I went to school and I got certified as a Microsoft certified system engineer. Uh, I went and got my master's in IT. I felt like I needed all of this sort of Things to validate, to really prove that I am as good as I say I am. And that's something that we've identified through um, just looking at socially something that is called the imposter syndrome that a lot of women suffer from, right? Oh, I'm not good enough. That sort of second guessing and doubting. So I just say, you know, that was something back when that, that I think may resonate with some people in the audience that I would just say, you know, just Trust that you're valuable and that you can do it. And perhaps you don't need to prove to the world with all the certifications, even though it helps. But anyhow, just wanted to kind of make apprentices there. But uh, then I moved into being the uh, CAD manager and then later on BIM manager, which meant I was really good at knowing and supporting and teaching Everything and anything about the portfolio of software that I was managing. I was managing software, but not people. And so I was that expert that knew right off the top of my head how to tell you how to, you know, approach something or solve something. And then I became the director of the group and I built that group. And I had 22 people uh, reporting to me at the time. And one of the things that I'm very grateful for that my CIO and boss at the time recognized was that I was having trouble letting go of being the expert into being the leader and where my value no longer was around, uh, you know, knowing the quickest answer and the right answer right away, but to actually do all of the things that you do as a leader in terms of mentoring, visioning, strategy, etc. cetera. And so he put me through, and I'm very grateful. Uh, he put me through this, uh, one-on-one coaching session and he was basically labeled from expert to leader. And I met with this coach once a week and thank God for him convincing me that my value now had shifted to be somewhere else so that I could let go of being that expert because it was really hard to, you know, do both. And you're not effective at one if you're trying to do both. And so that's really, um, I think that was a changing moment for myself. That was a tipping point when I finally accepted. It's okay for somebody that reports to me to know more than me about something and that's let them thrive um, and great. And I'll do. I'll focus on these other things.
0: Yeah, and as as you grow and as I talk to all these leaders that are amazing like you and others, what I find is that the thing that makes them great is their ability to find great people, coach them, yes. grow them, put them together, and and that's what that's what makes them great. It's not being amazing at the individual contributor work.
1: Yes, and you say that, and you call me a nerd earlier, and I accepted, and I got goosebumps. You would you say that because it really, really, really resonates. I just yesterday I got an email from someone here in the office saying we're having a, a group of students stay here for a week, and we would like you. We know how passionate you are about what you do. We'd like for you to speak to them, and I immediately said yes, anytime. Let's see how can I, you know, turn my schedule around to make it so because that piece about inspiring up and coming uh, professionals it's super important to me and you're right the value is in the people i i can tell you in terms of the folks that have worked for me throughout the last maybe 16 18 years is that i've had folks that have done what you know the job sort of the role describes and they're very kind of seasoned at it and they're great assets but i think half of them and i think i'm moving now into 2 thirds of the folks that are working or have worked for me um, they approach me from being in the practice sort of seeing what I've done, or my crew has done, in wanting to develop into that, and it's really sort of that, you know, that echoing and trying to, to develop like I did a while back when someone gave me a break. And so I am absolutely committed to opening, their eyes in terms of what the possibilities are, what to expect, doing as much mentoring as I can. And I think, like I said, right now I think I'm hovering maybe two thirds of the folks that have directly reported to me been the ones that we've mentored into the role.
0: So tell me, when when you've got this group of people and they're saying, Hilda, mentor me, I want more. That It's impossible for you to invest all your time and energy into every single person who asked for that, right? But Mm -hmm. I want to know what stands out to you, what qualities of people stands out to you that you're like, I want to invest my time into that person.
1: Um, I think, um, well, the fact that they're willing to you know, take the, the leap and make a change already. They have my attention. Um, the, um, ability or the interest in, uh, affecting in my world, th- this passion, this dual passion for technology and design, it's, it's key. But I think you has to be also an individual that it's, uh, enamored with change. I think we all love that. And because we are going to be change agents. If I see that in someone, um, then I think there's potential. And I'll usually, and I have told them, hey, listen, let's give this a try. I'm going to invest in you and try to provide you with the resources that you need to succeed at this role. But give me, I've said anywhere from a year to two, depending on the, uh, on the situation. And uh, I'll I'll give and you give me back and let's give this a, a shot. now. By no means are you committed, there's no contract, there's no memorandum of understanding, none of that. Uh, you're, feel, feel free to go back and do what you were doing before because it's kind of a changing career, right, from design to technology. Uh, and I'll tell you, in the whole entire history, I haven't had but one person go back to do what they were doing before. And that was only applicable till a year ago when he called me and said, Hey, Hilda, I want to go back and work for you and your team and the firm that you're at now. And so... That's been really kind of almost 100% a transition where folks find, uh, I guess, that sweet spot and they,
0: they don't want to go, they don't want to change it back. You're awesome. I like you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I like you too. <laughs> this is exciting. Okay. So when are you, when, like, are you are you out speaking? Are you doing public speaking with Weld or anything else?
1: Uh, Yes. Well, um, right now I'm actually delighted because I've got asked to be the keynote speaker at a convention that is happening in Pittsburgh. It's called the AIA Build 2018 is a yearly event, but it's for the American Institute of Architecture. And the reason why I'm super delighted is because finally, I tell you, when I was pushing technology for architecture back when I was in school, It was uh, very much discouraged, like I got punished for doing that almost. Uh, Yes, it was to the point where my professor would say, what? You did that with the computer? That's too easy. You need to do some extra work, right? I kid you not. That was the day. And now an entity like this one, the American Institute of Architects, is asking me to speak to the future of uh, architecture and design powered by technology. And so this is uh, going to be the keynote piece, and it's coming up in April. But at the same time, I'm doing a piece in, uh, let's say, in a couple of weeks at GTC with Nvidia, and this is all around a technology called the holodeck and their latest and greatest uh, graphics development on the RTX and ray tracing for graphics. So those are the the most immediate ones. But there's there's usually a lot throughout the year.
0: Is that Nvidia's main conference out in California? Yeah. Exactly um, in San Jose. Yeah. Are you going? Am I going to see you there? Um, actually, maybe. Warm maybe. weather. Okay. Well, I know there are PR people out there, so we actually go out to the sh- to shows and do um, interviews live with the podcast. So we know all like the like we were at RSA yeah. last year, and then like we, we know everyone. Okay. at The conferences. Yeah. It'll
1: be great. It'll be great to see you in person. Yes. Um, I, I'm typically I've been going there for the last three years, but yeah, I have two speaking opportunities this time, and uh, it's always fun.
0: But you're in Chicago. And so I'm, I'm speaking there twice this year and in uh, uh, April, like so next month. Okay. That's that's the first one. I'm excited because I want to see the thing I always see Instagram pictures of. The bean or whatever what it, is?
1: it is. The bean. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> yes, the, the bean.
0: And then there's the, um, the deck that like you look down and like you can... Mm-hmm. Oh, I forget the name of it, but it's an architectural thing. Yeah.
1: There is... Um... I'm trying to, you're not talking about looking at the bean, looking down. I don't know. There's like this
0: platform people post and it's like, it's like they're standing in this building and it's like transparent and they can look down. I don't know.
1: I don't know. But there's so
0: many. Oh, I, I know what you're talking, you're talking about.
1: You're talking about the, yes, the deck, uh That's, we have what used to be the uh, tallest building in the, well, maybe, no, it's, still, it's not the tallest in the United States anymore, but it's a Sears Tower, or now it's oh. called Willis Tower, but yeah. Chicagoans refuse to call it
0: Willis. We still call it Sears. Uh,
1: and so anyway, there's that, yeah, that reclining deck where you can yeah. do the 45, yeah.
0: Here's, a, here's an architectural tip for you. Just put, just put a large flag on it and re... <laughs> <laughs> Regain yeah. the dominance uh-huh. as the largest. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> right, a really tall one, really, really tall. Yeah, really hey, tall. Hey, it's funny, but yeah, a couple of times the building has won that because of the antenna.
0: There you so, go. Yes. Hilda, thank you so much for coming on, hanging out, talking about design, technology, leadership. You gave some good advice, people transitioning, and shared yes. some amazing stories. And I love the green. The green's beautiful. Is that a dart in your wall, by the way? <laughs>
1: Uh, let's see. Uh, yes, there are is three of them. Check it out.
0: <laughs> so you, you just, <laughs> I love it because you took the most fun part is just throwing it at the wall. And there's like, there there's no, there's no target. There's just like, this is the wall where you throw the darts. Well,
1: that's right. Cause we are, there always a moving target, right? We're always creating yeah. new things. There's always new, new challenges and new new things to, uh, to, uh, try to, uh, yeah, focus on. But yes, Joel, thanks a ton. It's been a pleasure. It's been fun. And uh, yes, I look forward to hopefully meeting you in person when you're out here. And uh, thanks, thanks. I really appreciate the opportunity to to speak to you and your audience.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you to your PR people who are in the room for setting this up and making this happen. And uh, you have a fantastic day. And I'll let you know when I'm out in Chicago.
1: All right. Take care. Thanks a ton.
0: All right. See ya. Bye-bye.